episode four of season three of From Adventure to Deeper, a podcast for all LARPers. I'm your host, Martin, and we will be talking about live-action roleplay events and experiences. Throughout this series, we'll talk about specific LARPs and also more general topics surrounding LARPs. This episode, we'll look at props and LARPs. Specifically, we will explore both the player experience and how props affect their game and how game designers view props as an instrument for encouraging play and moving the game along. Props vary from LARP to LARP, based on genre for the most part. You wouldn't want to have, for example, a lightsaber-type prop in a Western LARP, just as you wouldn't want to have a cell phone in a Regency LARP. Although, the cell phone in a Regency LARP might actually solve most of the player's problems. <laughs> These inconsistencies, though, would be very wrong to the senses of the players, unless, of course, they're integral to the, prop, uh, to the plot, such as, you know, a time travel LARP. However, one really does need to be careful with that as too much suspension of disbelief and the LARP loses some of its appeal. That's why, in my mind, the best props are those that belong and let you get further immersed in the world of that particular LARP. A data tablet with messages for space LARPs, perhaps, or a cigarette case for a Victorian era LARP, even if empty, can lend additional messages to your character and gravitas to your character when interacting with others. Props can also be personal. You might have a diary your character has written, which you leave out for a maid to find in a Regency or Edwardian LARP. Perhaps it's the tassel of hair you had as a trainee in your space wizard school. All of these props uh, are props that affect you, and that subject is worth discussing. Before we step into this topic, I'd like to take a moment to thank Feedspot, which is a blogging site for including From Adventure to Innkeeper as one of the top five LARP podcasts in 2021. Uh, their list is still a good one, and I can recommend all the podcasts on it, with, of course, a major bias toward this one, which came in at number four originally, and has since moved up to the number two spot. Their website is blog.feedspot.com, and the top five lists can be found at blog.feedspot.com backslash LARP underscore podcasts. This show is for both the new LARPer through seasoned veterans, and we'll be implementing a scale to let you know the main focus of every episode. Episodes will air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, November, and range from approximately one to two hours in length. Every episode is, of course, for everyone, but some will focus more on issues which will resonate with one group or another. As such, we have a scale which will tell you the focus of the topics and possibly the depths of some of the various bogs and dungeons we will wade into. The scale for this episode will be adventure. It's, it's mainly aimed at those who play LARP. We will, however, be covering topics in this episode that will directly relate to all players and also game designers. So I hope that both players and game designers will find it useful for them. As this episode covers more player-directed topics than some of our other um, shows, I've arranged to have some guests with me uh, here live via Zoom to help discuss their thoughts on props in LARP. With me today, I have Steph, Jason, and Rob, um, all currently from or living in the U.S., so thank you, Steph, Jason, and Rob, for joining me today. Before we open the discussion, let me first ask you guys to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your involvement in LARP. Um, so, Steph, if you'd like to start. Sure. Um I'm Steph and I am here and I have been LARPing for, I don't know, I think I started LARPing in like 2016 or 18. Um, I started uh, as an NPC and writer and then realized how much fun this all was and realized I had to get in on it immediately. And so I've been LARPing ever since. Fantastic. Um, Jason? Hi, folks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Hi, folks. I'm Jason. Uh, I'm a librarian in Atlanta, and uh, I think I'm probably uh, the anomaly on the call in that I have not been LARPing regularly for quite a long time. I started with uh, a local monthly vampire LARP in the um, 90s, 
and uh, then took a long, long break from it and uh, was staff and uh, writer on a LARP that I think you've all, that you all played in uh, Outbound Hope in 2019, I think it was. And uh, just recently have gotten enthusiastic about getting back into it. Fantastic. And Rob? Oh, I'm the old fellow then. Um, I started with SCA um, back in the 70s. Let's just say that. Um, been through LARPing for a number of different places, number of different genres, number of different countries. I've done everything from being a player to being plot or story, whatever you want to call it, depending on the LARP, um, for both the local chapters as well as national on three different LARPs, um, including some that have been international. So a little bit of experience. Excellent. Um, so to ensure that we're all on the same page for purposes of this conversation, I'm just going to briefly define what specifically we're talking about today. Um, so today we're going to be discussing props in LARP. Uh, these can be both uh, player-made or player-bought, i.e. something that, that you know, you've, you've brought to the LARP yourself. Or they can be pre-made uh, and distributed by the, the LARP. Um, you know, and this can range from everything from character notes, technically, to, you know, some LARPs have you rent costuming, uh, things like that. Um, so now that we're hopefully on the same page, I'm going to open this up to my guests so that we can delve a little bit deeper into this aspect. So for each of you, how important are props to you as a player in a LARP? Steph, why don't you start? <laughs> okay. Um, I think to give like the, the vague old, old master answer, it depends. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely feel like if used correctly and uh, like they don't even have to be like really expensive props, but like I've definitely had some instances where like, you know, the prop has really just immersed me into the game and it's been like, oh, wow, this is really happening. And like, I really feel like, you know, connected to my character or whatever, or like I suddenly feel very immersed in this world. Um, but also I've played games where I don't see a prop for like the whole game. So I, it depends on the kind of story you're telling and the um, means you have in which to tell it and the people that you have telling it with you, I think. I think, I think, uh, I think they can be amazingly useful to, to just tag off of what Steph is saying. I think they can be amazingly useful to make the world that you're playing in feel real. Um, I heard uh, one of the game runners from um, Starfall Academy, the, the LARP that we all just attended, uh, talking recently on another podcast about how your, your body and your brain don't really understand what pretend is. And so if you're doing something physically, it makes it a lot more real to your, your feelings and your emotions. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think having a tactile thing that you can touch and feel and and see uh just really adds a, a dimension to the whole experience and especially when your story continues like all of a sudden say an item comes out that's a ring well it'd be nice to actually have that ring come out because then everybody can see that you got that item so it's more immersive not just for you as a player but for everybody around you because now they see the thing um, you know, that, that, that's a big item right there, just from the storyteller point of view of having items come out within the game. But for props for, you know, players themselves that we make, that, that's what adds flair to our character. That's what makes us have fun with our characters, add a little bit of things. It'll also spark conversation with other players because now we have this thing and somebody sees it and, oh, what's that? We now have discussion points. We now have, you know, RP between our different characters or role-playing moments. All of that adds to the immersion of the game. So of all the props that all of you have used, which which would you say has been the most immersive for you? In other words, which one has brought you most into the game? Um, I think it's a two-way tie. I mean, I've definitely spoken about Meat Baby before. Um, 
Whoa. Okay. uh, I have not heard you talk about meat baby stuff. I need to hear this. Okay. So, uh, we were my first LARP that I ever did. I was an NPC for, and it was uh, Legends of the Stars, and it took place on the USS Massachusetts in was it Falls River, Massachusetts, and um, uh, one of the items that was made was like this alien like egg thing, made like entirely out of like like different cow organs, basically. <laughs> um, and I just remember like trying to go use the bathroom and the door was locked. And then one of my other people helping me in the game was like, hey, how are you with gore? And I was like, what, what am I, what is this LARP thing? What am I doing right now? And I was like, I guess, listen, I really gotta go to the bathroom. So I guess I'm good with it. And she had like dextered out a whole stall and was making the meat baby. And then seeing people like, uh, like you know, do like a weird alien autopsy on this weird thing was really cool. But um, I mean, I'm sure I can speak for all of us when I say that lighting up my lightsaber or my crystal saber, sorry. Um, uh, my crystal saber at Starfall the first night, I was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. in space. A hundred percent, yes. But yes, those are my two. Uh, well, the the crystal sabers at the uh, legally distinct from Star Wars LARP that we all just attended were a hundred percent. I mean, I I kept mine with me in the room for about a week after I got home just to to like look at it. And when I was feeling LARP drop, I would just reach over and maybe light it up for a minute to to remind me of this awesome thing that I had done. It felt. I mean, there there were literally a hundred of them identical at the event that we went to, but mine felt super special to me uh, just because it was presented in this, this way that was so deeply tied to story. Um, another one that, that I uh, experienced at Starfall uh, just this uh, last month was uh, there was a sort of a side quest that my little group of friends went on that involved um, uh, kind of a little treasure hunt. And we, we dug up uh, some some treasure. We had to do like some history scouting and and some physical treasure hunting in the woods and and so on. And we we dug up a little cache of of treasure. And basically, what we got were items that just gave our our characters the equivalent of one extra mana point. So they they were you know things that had been given out all you know all during the event. A lot of players or a lot of characters got the equivalent of these things but the ones that we dug up instead of beads like the standard ones were everybody kept their little beads on a string to count how many points they have my group got a set that were finger bones and there was a story that we had investigated and dug up and there was like a history to them and just because the prop was physically different I felt really, really special about mine. Well, lots of people got these focus points over the course of the weekend, but I got my little group of five were the only ones that got these finger bones that had a history to them. And I felt really special about that. So that's definitely the one that comes to mind. Yeah, the lighting of the sabers was was quite interesting. It was like, okay, so what color am I going to get? You know, and then it's like, hmm, it popped this color. Well, not what I was expecting in the least, but it's not polite at that point to say, well, shit. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we went through and it's like, huh, I wonder why. And then, you know, working through that on the weekend to figure out why certain things happened and why you have it is really immersive. Um, my most immersive prop section that I've ever had was at a LARP in Australia. It was a World War I combat type LARP. And, you know, you were soldiers and stuff like that, and you were trying to go home. Um, it was based around um, a tabletop RPG called Never Going Home, which is basically um, there's a bunch of evil specters that take over people, and, you know, you have to fight the war, but you also have to stay sane against these things or they will take you over. Um, well, we happened to have a bunch of the storytellers who happened to be reg force military down there. So we actually had, you know, artillery sim shells and everything else that were going off in the middle of the field battle mm-hmm. at the middle of the night. So, you know, 
all of a sudden you're walking through and you know this crater that's 15 feet from you just explodes oh my god wow <laughs> what yeah yeah this is all that fun well it, it was it, it had safety lines around it so you couldn't get too close but you know it's australia it's like one of those standard safety briefings if it comes out of the tree it'll kill you if it crawls on the ground it'll probably kill you you know so <laughs> take it in relative terms yeah i mean i guess that's fair <laughs> definitely do not pet a kangaroo yeah <laughs> definitely an interesting experience um i think that for me um two of the most interesting props and and, and crystal saber was definitely one of them um i i was not at all expecting the color that i got and that was kind of a shock and you know after the larp i have since tried to to make it feel more of my own by by adding some embellishments to the the hilt um but the the other one was actually a prop i brought myself um i was doing a larp in the sahara desert aptly named sahara um, which essentially was this Indiana Jones meets Call of Cthulhu kind of concept. And I had managed to get my hands on a old camera that turns out was used by the, uh, by the U.S. Army on D-Day. Um, it was no used to actually like, take photos of, D wow. of the D-Day landings. And it still works. So I had this camera with me out in the field and got, I want to say it was like 10 or 12 pictures that came out really, really nice. And it just made me sort of feel like so much in the moment because of the history of the device itself and sort of the, the, the plot of the LARP that it was, it, it was just one of the most immersive props I've ever used. So you know, I, I think something like that really helps, helps quite a bit. Um, so I guess that sort of brings up a question of what makes a prop immersive to you? Um, well, I don't think, because like, you know, the sabers that we were using were not inexpensive, um, but I don't think that the props have to be like, you know, super outlandish or crazy or anything they don't have to be you know a meat baby made out of cow parts or anything to make it really uh an immersive experience because um thank uh, god for that <laughs> yeah uh but like jason like you were saying with like the focus beads at starfall um i had a moment where one of my uh one of my little people in my little group um came over to me and was like looked really serious and was like hey I have something to show you and then he like pointed down to his little focus beads on his belt and there was like an extra one and it was red and I was like <gasps> what what <laughs> um and it was just like one of those moments where like both in and in and out of character like my whole world was shattered I was like what are you <laughs> And then we had like this whole conversation afterwards about like, like, oh, this is what's going on. Like, this is what my character is doing, like blah, 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 blah. And it was really, really cool because like, we got to have like this very serious, like in character talk. Um, but also um, I think that uh, a prop is also only as good as like the NPC or player that is like using it in a way sort of sometimes. Because uh, I was working one LARP where we had a bunch of, it was like a girls weekend in the Feywild, except instead of um, like, they had their little like fairy picnic or whatever, where, like it's a Fey invited them to eat, but you shouldn't do that. And so that they were like, haha, you're trapped here now. And then they all had like fight their way out. Um, and we had this one person who was like, this one like Fey Lord, whatever, who was really, really nice the whole time and sort of chill. And then night came and we had, we made like a cardboard mask and covered it in like glow in the dark duct tape. It's so like, it was cost maybe like what, whatever the role of a duct tape costs at this point. I don't know. Inflation is killer. Um, and he like started like cackling and like screaming as we put the mask on. He's like screaming for his face and all of us come out of the woods in our little all black NPC clothes and just put it on his face. 
And then he just like takes out two glow in the dark swords and just sprints at these children who just start screaming. Um, and I was like, wow, this is a great moment. And it cost me maybe like $6 and fantastic. I'm going to say what makes a, a prop uh, successfully add to the immersion for me is specificity. And what I mean by that is uh, it's something either specific to the game world or something specific to the character. So something that like you could only see in this world uh, that we're in. Um, at Starfall, we had a um, uh, an archive, sort of a little museum of uh, relics from the past. And the the GMs put so much care into choosing, obviously put so much care into to, to choosing and making what went into this thing, uh, uh, you know, and, and wrote up little uh, sort of museum cards to accompany each of the artifacts that were in there. And it was just so much fun to go in there and explore. Um, and there were there were characters who could use psychometry and could investigate the past of these objects and things like that. But just the props themselves. One thing that I remember, we've talked about the crystal sabers, uh, legally distinct from lightsabers, of course. Um, of course. One of the props in the uh, the archive was a toy crystal saber that had had been a little bit crudely made, but clearly had been designed as though it were a child's toy emulating the sabers that we were carrying around. And that might've been one of my favorite props from the archives, just because it was such a cool, creative and specific to the world, you know, and it showed that the, uh, the characters who carried these sabers in reality were well-known and revered enough uh, in some places that a child would want to uh, pretend to be them. And I really loved that. Um, and things that are specific to to one's own character. Um, I'm I'm gearing up to. Uh, I got so excited by Starfall that I'm I'm gearing up to join a local LARP that plays more regularly, and I'm thinking about what props I want to make and carry for my character. And I just had the idea of uh, making some kind of a trinket or a token or something that was owned by my character's friend who died maybe and i don't know what that's going to be yet but like just something that i you know wear on a string and tie to my belt that that used to belong to uh, a friend who's gone on before something like that but something that that says something about the character and and as we've alluded to that that can give you even if it doesn't ever come up it's something that you know i can touch and remind myself of my character's backstory and if somebody asks me about it i can say oh well i you know i had a friend and and here's how you know here's the the time that we spent together and here's how i remember him so things like that that can can add to either the world or the character yeah that that's pretty much it and you know with my my eldest, who's also a LARPer, um, well, everybody in our family except for my wife, uh, but, but she tolerates everything and helps make props. So, you know, we're all good. <laughs> but, you know, when he was doing um, another game that was up in the Northeast called Magic Scola, uh, one of the characters he played was basically a, a food purveyor. So, yeah, we, we made a ton of bags of this chubacabra jerky. <laughs> um, and you know, we, we got, you know, a half a goat and half a lamb here. And I was making jerky out of all of that for him, bagging it up and everything else. And it was an in-play thing because, you know, chubacabras were a thing back there. And, you know, one of the things you can get is chubacabra jerky, which is, you know, filling and makes you feel better. And, you know, we put it in a brown paper bag and it was, you know, spicy or not. And, you know. The only thing, if you're doing any food props, make sure you list all the ingredients. So if somebody has a food allergy, they know everything in there, including the spices. But, you know, that was something real simple. We have another um, LARP in this area that's more futuristic sci-fi. And, you know, I 3D printed a couple of trinkets that are, you know, basically handheld props that are used for, you know, this is what this device does you know, like a healing, healing robot type of thing. Um, other LARPs we have, you know, props could be anything from 
you know, if you have a, a LARP that uses, for example, Nerf guns or whatever, how do you paint that Nerf gun? How do you customize it? What makes it, you know, part of the history of your character? I have one that's called a demon gun and it's called Seven Eyes. Well, it's got a huge amount of glow in the dark paint. So at night it, it glows. And what do you know? It has seven eyes down one side, like seven little eyeballs that only appear when it's dark. You know, things like that add stuff to the game. And depending on, you know, they added to my character, but everybody else knows, well, number one, there's the glowing guy running in the field over there. But, you know, everybody else knows what that item is. So it adds story. Rob, you mentioned 3D printing just now, and that was something that I wanted to make sure to touch on during our conversation. Um, uh, the last time that I LARPed, I did not have access to a 3D printer. Um, and I, I do now, I've got, a, got access to a couple of different kinds. And I just, it's been become such a fun hobby making stuff. Um, I got, uh, I got a, a small 3D printer for home uh, to print D&D minis that I, I enjoy painting and stuff like that. But it's, I've, I've recently discovered how much fun it is to design and make and, and paint props for LARP on a 3D printer. And I was talking about how much I love specificity. I can make anything really that, you know, the, there are sites out there where I can get all kinds of LARP pro props that are, are pre-made. And I even, for, for Starfall, I even designed a couple of very simple uh, sort of badges and things like that for my character to wear. And I absolutely loved uh, wearing something that I had designed and made myself. Uh, it felt so cool. And I'm doing that for the, the next LARP that I'm going to be playing in. I'm making a little, you know, pendant that I'm going to wear that's like a, a little skull, stuff like that. And just being able to fabricate, because I, I do not have artistic skills, but being able to fabricate stuff in my own home for, you know, that, that looks cool and um, uh, feels realistic uh, to some degree has just been an absolute game changer for me in, in the ways that I, I think about how I want to do costuming and props and things like that. And it's, it's so much fun. And um, man, it has just opened up a, a huge door for me in how I'm going to be thinking about uh, props uh, going forward. Yeah, with the 3D printer, you can do so much. The only thing you have to be careful of is whatever you print, you have to make sure of, you know, if you're going to be wearing it, you don't have sharp edges, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's a safety thing because it's hard plastic. Um, I did a whole bunch of stuff for one fantasy LARP here in the Atlanta area, and I was a dwarven smith. So I made a, you know, used the sites that are out there like Thingiverse and stuff like that and found a small dwarven head. Well, I printed a bunch of those. And that was on the outside of our cabin that we had at one of the state parks. And that was, you know, the Dwarven Smiths. And we used, you know, we, we painted them a little bit differently and, and stuff like that. And it was basically the, the facsimiles of the faces of all the different dwarves that were part of this little Smith Guild. And I think that's kind of like the, the big thing, right? Is like the prop can like have as like, how do I say this? Um, you can make it yourself, you can buy it, it can be cheap, it can be expensive, but the effort has to be made to like tie it into like the story and into the character. I think like both of you have said, um, like if it's just sort of like, you know, like if I just bring a Nerf gun to a post-apocalyptic LARP, I've made no effort. Like obviously not everyone can do those sort of things. And like, if it's like your first LARP or whatever, like don't worry about it. But like, as you get more into the LARPs and like you do them more often, making the effort to sort of like weather it a little bit or paint it or like make it feel more like it's in the world so that every time you look at it, you're not being like, oh yeah, this is a Nerf gun, not like a real gun. And uh, most of the LARPs out there also have, you know, a local community or whatever, either on Facebook, Discord, whatever. And, you know, there's people there that'll help anybody do you know, stuff. for sure including possibly even, okay, you brought a brand new Nerf gun that you bought Friday night to the game. The game is all weekend. So, okay. So guess what we're doing Saturday afternoon? We're going to customize this one with, you know, the master armor Smith of the game type of thing. 
So, yeah. you know, that way it also can be not just I have this basic gun, but I'm making it into something my character wants as an in-game action. Yes. It becomes, the prop becomes part of the story in that way, which I really love. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I really like about, especially like the community that we've all found ourselves in. Um, I know there's like a lot, like a huge Venn diagram of all the different circles coming together. But um, like, I don't think I've ever been in a LARP space where there's someone who is sort of like trying to gatekeep how to do something for me. Um, like I was talking, I think I was talking to you, Jason, about 3D printing and you were like giving me tips. Someone at Starfall was just like giving me all, like, all this lowdown on 3D printing. And I was like, heck yeah, man. Yeah, I'm we so talked about it a little bit. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like, I definitely know there are different spaces where people are like, oh, this is my special thing. I don't want to share it with people, but, um, and I might be going off course a little bit right now, but yeah, I just really enjoy that in this community that I have found that everyone is so willing to not only teach you how to be more immersive and how to do all these really cool craft things, but also how to like, but are also willing to do it in game if necessary, which is just really sick. And to, uh, to tag off of that a little bit, Steph, I, I'm really, uh, I agree entirely with the, uh, the community that we are all in uh, around the, the Quest uh, gaming events, um, which listeners should definitely look up. But I, I got so many ideas from the last event that we all attended that I absolutely just want to steal for, uh, for my next events going forward. Um, we all got these, as we said, these identical crystal sabers that our characters own and that we got to take home and we'll bring to our next event. But now that we've got them at home, we can all personalize them and make them, you know, individual. Somebody posted a picture that they had just taken some sandpaper and weathered the hilt of their saber. So it looked a little more used. And I immediately did that when I got home and I love how it looks. I just sort of sanded some of the black paint so you can see some of the metal through. And so when I bring it back next year, it's gonna look weathered as though I've, you know, I've been carrying it around with me for a year, maybe in some harsh conditions. And um, we all got uh, armbands in the color of our, uh, our sect of the guardians. And I saved my armband and I cut off a little piece of it and I tied just a little scrap of my armband around the hilt of my saber to, to mark it with the color of my sex. But it's also, it's in character. It's a, you know, a reminder that my character has of his initiation. And so I can, you know, I can look at that and, oh, I got that on my first night as a guardian as well. But uh, what I meant to say is just stealing ideas from people around you is so much fun. I've gotten so much, so many ideas from the, uh, the discord that we, I think we're all on where people are, you know, posting pictures of their costumes and their props and the things that they're making. So, this, this is actually a great discussion, but, but I have a question for all of you, which is, so you've all discussed how, how props have helped your immersion, but have you ever felt that a prop has broken your immersion? And if so, why did it do that? I have an immediate answer. Um, uh, so Starfall Academy is decidedly, and I don't want to put anyone on blast here. Um, Starfall Academy is very much not star wars or anything owned by disney like quest wrote this whole universe themselves like it's its own whole thing and i get that it's like certain parts of it are maybe inspired by that like genre i know what you're gonna say but maybe don't show up with a stormtrooper helmet when we're trying to get the mouse to not shoot us oh i was wrong about what you were gonna say sorry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no it's just one of those things where, like it happens at like um like at certain LARPs and stuff where like like even like maybe like local fantasy LARP every once in a while I'll just see something that's like very obviously branded from something else and like I see like like I'm like oh cool you think this is like really cool like that's great whatever but also like Disney's gonna come get us like you can't do that <laughs> And we did have costume approval process before the LARP where we were supposed to send pictures of, you know, what we would be wearing and we could, you know, we could make minor changes to it and add a belt or whatever. Nobody was policing that. But, but I think that's one reason that, that they wanted the costume approval process to make sure that nobody was going to wear a stormtrooper helmet. Um, but, you know, also to make sure that it would mostly to make sure that it would fit in with the universe and, you know, that people were not going to plan on wearing jeans and T-shirts to, a, you know, a, to a science fiction event. 
What I thought you were going to say uh, was uh, that the crystal sabers we all got had one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now you know what I'm going to say. One bug that apparently could not be uh, remedied before the event. And that was when the sabers were powered off, there was a voice clip of Kyro- Kylo Ren saying, the resistance the is, is dead. Over. The war is over. And that would happen you know, on, on occasion when everybody was lighting up their sabers for a dramatic moment or whatever, three minutes after everybody would power down their sabers, they would shut off automatically and you'd start hearing the, the voice clip of Ky- Kylo Ren begin echoing around the space a hundred times. And we were- That was the we worst. Were, we were briefed, hold it close to your chest, cover the speaker with your palm. Death grip and, yeah. and And basically just- ignore it was the main part of that briefing was we can't do anything about it just pretend you didn't hear it but there were so many kylo ren the war is over the resistance is dead jokes over the whole course of the weekend and it was fun and it was funny but it did not contribute to immersion the i think the thing that and to in two quests credit they did not ask the lightsabers or the saber company to do that uh they had like upgraded the sabers without telling them. And so they all showed up and they were like that. Um, so it was no fault on Quest's part. Um, oh, absolutely but, not. Yeah. But the part that like just really bothered me was like every time it happened, it was because everyone had like lit up their sabers and like this great moment of unity. And then like just for some reason got caught up in the moment and just forgot to like cover it before they turned it off, like after they turned it off. Like, and so like, you know, our grandmaster is trying to like make this cool speech or whatever. And all you hear is, is the resistance is dead. The war is over like 18,000 times over and over again. And people are like frantically trying to cover it after the fact. And I'm like, bro, we were told how to fix this, please. We have, we have a year to troubleshoot that. So hopefully somebody yeah. will come up with, with a way to plug in a USB drive to our sabers and fix that. I think, I think so as far as I'm aware, there's no way to fix it. Um, but Hopefully someone can prove prove my friends wrong. Yeah. I think the worst I've had is, you know, high fantasy LARPs where people bring out their cell phones in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And to be fair, there are some great ways to like hide a cell phone now. Like there are just some fat, fantastic ways that you can like make your cell phone like hide in a little leather bag or a little leather case so that like it just sort of looks like maybe you got like some cutting scissors in there. Like, it's not saying you shouldn't bring your phone to a LARP. I'm just saying maybe just don't bring it out when everyone can see it and maybe like make the smallest effort to camouflage it. Yeah. Or, or step to one side and, you know, if you've got to look up stuff. But I've had, you know, folks in the middle of the afternoon, like when things are, are quiet for a bit, come right into the middle of the tavern area and sit down at a, at a table in the middle of the tavern and pop out their phone and start playing a game. Yeah, Oof. and uh, I have been to LARP, like a like a youth LARP before, uh, where these kids decided that they were going to have a Blue Yeti speaker, and <laughs> everywhere they went, they were going to play, like, battle, like, music, <laughs> and I mean, honestly, after a certain point, you kind of just forget that it's playing, and it's just sort of whatever, and it sort of, like, adds to the ambiance, because, like, it's not like they were playing, you know, like, modern day music they were playing like cinematic combat epic music so it was fine but i was like looking at this person's belt and i'm like that's not a lantern that's a that's a bluetooth yeti speaker but yeah but once again effort was made to make it part of the experience so it was fine and i just say on that topic i i made for starfall a a prop that i was so proud of that i didn't end up getting to use and steph i'm sure i at least complained to you about this uh the guys may not have heard this but i made a cell phone case that looked yes beaten up and weathered and like it would fit in with a legally distinct from disney properties science fiction larp it had some little 3d printed electronic bits on it and it was painted and I weathered the paint with a a Dremel and I was so proud of the finished product. And then two weeks before the event, I got an email from my cell phone company saying, hey, uh, Jason, we've just upgraded our network and you need to buy a new phone uh, or else your phone's not gonna work with our new network. And so I had to buy a new phone and so I didn't have time to make 
remake the case uh, before the uh, before the event. So I will have one for next year. But I was so mad that I had gone to all this trouble. But I can do it again in half the time for next time. So that's it was it was fun and it was educational. So I don't begrudge that. Uh, and I saved the parts. So. But I was really thinking about how my cell phone was going to look, and I, I did my best. And it works better in a science fiction game than it would in a high fantasy LARP, to be sure. You so, know, I hope, you, I hope they don't give you another phone call saying, hey, your phone is going to get you turned off again next year. Oh, man, I'm going to be so mad if they do. <laughs> so, so are there certain types of LARP that you think work better with props? And, and if so, why? I mean, I think like a fantasy LARP, like as long as, you know, there's, like you said, like no cell phones, no Nintendo switches, like, I think as long as like you're keeping it like with the kit, you really don't even need many props if you're in the, like the right area, like if you're like the woods or whatever, because you're sort of like already have all this like built in set dressing. Um, but I think uh, like if you're doing like a like a like Starfall, like a triple A LARP, you probably want you want some stuff to sort of immerse you in the world because there's so much effort being made from staff to immerse you in the world. Um, but like I've definitely been to like some parlor LARPs where there's just like not a single prop in sight and it's not been a problem because everyone just uses the theater of their minds. Um but yeah, so I think once again, it depends. I think anything that's that's closer to, and maybe I'm just saying what what Steph just said, but anything that's closer to something like a fantasy setting, an otherworldly setting, the farther it is from present day 21st century Earth, the more the props are going to add to the experience. Um, I think for a science fiction setting. Uh, like we were all just in, I think that some modern day stuff, you know, just uh, things like cell phones, for example, uh, work just, <clears throat> excuse me, work just fine. We, you know, we were referring to our personal devices from time to time when we needed to in character refer to our, our phones, um, uh, you know, uh, but you would need, I think, the farther away from the actual real world that the setting is, the more the props are going to add to it. And like I said, I think maybe that's that's saying pretty much what Steph just said. But uh, yeah, I, I would be hard, other than that, I'd be hard pressed to think of a setting that that works better with props than, than otherwise, other than just sort of that general idea. I think it also depends on like how well the, like, I, mean, I know I've already said this, but like how well the props are used, like, um, like how, quest for outbound hope was able to like integrate you know an alien autopsy and the entire computer system that everyone was using like so seamlessly into the game um like not like not everyone has that capability uh to do that so um like you could have just like definitely could have just been straight up playing on like some macbooks that were like completely unattempted to be hidden as macbooks like it could have just been like whatever, but like the effort was made to integrate it into the world and it worked. So I think that um, props work as long as you have the skill to utilize them correctly. Um, and it doesn't really matter what type of game they're for. Um, Cause like, I, let's be real. If I was at a parlor LARP and just in the middle of the game, someone brought out like a really cool prop. I would not complain. Um, that would be really sick. Um, but yeah, it all just depends on the skill of the person using the prop to make it feel realistic. Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing with like foam swords, right? Like I go to a bunch of fantasy LARPs where everyone's got a foam sword, but like, if you treat the sword, like it's a real sword, it has more weight to it than if you're just like going around hitting people with a foam boffer all the time and being like, wah, 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 wah. um, which can be fun. Don't get me wrong. But, um. It's just sort of the willingness of everyone around you to treat the prop as what it is supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. Any thoughts on the topic, Rob? 
Well, even what Jason was saying, like with some of the modern LARPs, um, there's a vampire LARP that's down here that I've had to make some props for um, because, you know, Rugrats play um, that tied in, you know, old history, even though they're, they're current genre vampires, you know, they're bringing back something to do something, you know, in the political realm, but they needed this artifact in order to show that they had, you know, the badge of office, if you will. And it's like, okay, so what does this thing have to look like? <laughs> you know, that, that's the hardest part. And, and don't, don't plan to have a prop ready in like less than 24 hours. And, and anybody who's listening, please don't ask your dads or moms to start making props within 24 hours of a LARP. It gets a little bit stressful. Don't wait until the night before the assignments do to do I your homework. Well, don't, I, don't, don't go there. <laughs> I know all you cosplayers are out there thinking, I can 100% do this the day before the LARP. Don't do it. You're yeah. going to cry. <laughs> you're going to cry because, oh, crap, I forgot to pack this, this, this. And now you're hunting for all of that stuff in your pile of gear. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I need to get this done. Eh, I'll do it there Friday when I get there early. And then all, you, all your friends show up. <laughs> I made a necklace for my Starfall character, proceeded to lose it the day before the harp. And I woke up at like 4 a.m. and was like tearing my room apart looking for it. And I was like crying. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I lost it. And like if I had to wake up at four in the morning and make that necklace, I think I would have cried more. <laughs> One thing that I didn't tell you about my finger bone story, I told you all about how much I, I love and revered the finger bone uh, bonus that, that I found was that I, um, before I tied it to the rest of my, my little uh, belt thing, I immediately lost the prop while we were at the event. So I texted, yeah, so I texted the GMs and I said, so I'm a dumbass and I lost my finger bone. I'm going to just grab a bead to use for the rest of the weekend. And when I get home, I'm going to 3D print a new finger bone. And they were, they laughed at me and said, yes, of course, that's fine. So. <laughs> so is there anything that you guys wish LARP designers would think about relating to props before engaging the players in a LARP? I guess my first thought, and this this touches on things that I think everybody has said to some degree or another, is just making sure that everybody is on the same page about what the feel of the event is going to be and what, what the props need to say about the story or the world and sort of make sure that the, the aesthetic of the props uh, feel consistent with one another and feel like they all come from the same world uh to some degree um and you know that can mean i think talking to the players as well and making sure the players are on the same page uh you know this is a uh this is a 16th century uh gunpowder technology world to make sure that you know these are some of the historical influences that you should look like when you're designing your own props or things like that and I think um, I think it helps if there's some consistency to the degree of how realistic the props are that is um, don't have some stuff just represented by a a nerf ball with an item card and some stuff you know intricately 3d printed and and painted i guess that's just sort of my my shot in the dark uh attempt to answer that question i think that those are things that i appreciate about prop design yeah definitely i would agree that consistency is important in that regard um but i can't really think of anything else that would speak to larp designers directly um Well, for the most part is once you know the context, the overall, you know, overall arcs and the plots and the, you know, the different stories that are coming out, think of how you can throw something in that adds to that. You don't necessarily have to, it doesn't have to be big or anything else, but you know, like what Jason was talking about in this one that they had, they got finger bones. Oh, those, those are dirt cheap things, right? Or, or some of us, when we got other ones, we just got other wooden beads and it was something that added to the character, showed that they progressed through something. They got to talk about it with other folks. 
um, especially those of us that got beads of a different color, not saying red, um, you know. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got two of them. I got, I got my four normals and two reds. Uh, yeah, that was definitely it. Yeah. yeah Crazy yeah. how much a single colored wooden bead can just completely like well, it, it also, of a scene. It, it became everything. Like once we got it, it was like the team that was with us went like, oh, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. Right. Because nobody wanted to touch it. And I said, I don't care. It's a bead. You know, it, it's another piece of focus that's going to round out my character because it's, you know, part of the missing sides. And it's like, okay. Now, does that mean I had those beads prominently displayed throughout the entire weekend? Heck no. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, it'll add it'll add flair next year. Yeah. So along those same lines, then, um, when planning out a character where you need to bring your own props, do you personally have kind of a way to decide what props you want and which ones you don't? I mean, yeah. So like at this at Avarice, the uh, um fantasy LARP that I do out in Massachusetts um my character is an ex-witch um so like she has like I had written this whole history for her like all the things that she's done before she like basically quit her job and left to go do other things um and so I have all like these like relics from her past life that she's like quote-unquote hiding but like I let people see because that's the fun part um and so like, it's like, you know, you build, you build the costume and then you're like, all right, what can I add to this that like fits this tone? Um, and so like, I had a scene with um, some other players where they had like taken interest in my character's sister who was still a witch. And I had like this item of hers and I'm trying to hide from my sister. So she, uh, so, in, so we did this fun little ritual that, with just a single like red crystal necklace um and then I just gave them the necklace afterwards I was like yeah take it um where like that'll help my sister find you and keep her away from me and then everything will be great and then um like I sort of like built like this culture around like her whole family and like picked items specific to that um I even have a sword picked out specific to her um but I haven't purchased it yet because it's expensive. Um, but yeah, it's definitely sort of like a, I build the character, I build her kit because even if I don't have a single prop, like I need her to look like she would look. And then from there, I'm like, all right, how do I flesh this out in a way that doesn't detract from anything I've already said about her and also um, sort of elevates her story and brings other people in to like, invites them to interact. Yeah, like Steph said, you know, the first thing you work on for your character is once you define your, you know, what you want for race, class, skills, all that nice fun stuff. It's like, okay, what do I want my character to be? Do I want it to be, for example, a gunslinger? Do I want, you know, medieval type of concepts where, you know, he's an old sellsword and been around forever, you know, that type of stuff. Well, that sort of tells you the costuming and type of stuff that you have. And then when you have costuming, you know, Props are easy to add to a piece of costuming. Like I've picked up this throughout, you know, my adventures up to this point. Because very rarely do you start a LARP as a level zero adventurer. You come in with some skills um, going through a lot of that type of stuff. So, you know, there's there's easy things to add for that. You know, like, like Steph was saying there with, you know, I wanted a necklace. Well, that adds to that character, that adds costuming, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I have, you know, half of my basement full of LARP gear and it's like, okay, so, you know, NPCs need to do this at this one LARP, what do we need for costuming? And then, you know, how are we adding to it to make it, you know, look like this type of a dead creature, like an undead zombie or this big honking undead zombie been many times that we've uh, poured you know costume blood over costuming in my backyard and 
buried costuming in the backyard after and then started poking it with pitchforks um, to the extent that my neighbors don't even think twice anymore. So I could bury anybody in my backyard and they wouldn't even look. Oh but, my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they've also seen, you know, a bunch of our LARP friends come over during times when there was no LARPs and people were vaccinated and stuff like that, that, you know, we had four or five people over and yeah, we were having boffer LARPs in our cul-de-sac. So, you know, let, let's do some swing and practice. But we've done everything at that point. It's like, okay, bring over something. Let's work on it. Um, could be something as simple as a pouch. You know, I need a pouch to hold something, whether that's going to be your phone, beads, you know, tags for the game just to keep them out of the way or whatever. Okay, well, you can get a basic bag. Well, what if you want to add something to it to add it to your character's background? I want to add a silver fleur de lis. So you go to Joann's or Michael's or whatever, and you get one of the simple little glue-on appliques and you put it on the front. Well, that now just tied that bag potentially to your backstory or to a group that you want to eventually belong to or that your, you know, your backstory family belong to. There's, there's easy ways of doing things that can tie things in initially. Now, as your character grows, well, you know, so do the amount of props and the amount of items you have for different things. Um, there's another LARP out there called Dystopia Rising, where, you know, depending on your skill levels with certain things, you might be carrying a significant number of Nerf guns. If you have, you know, a master level in all of these weapons and you have a master level of all of these weapons. Um, in that game, I have basically a plastic rocket launcher that expands, contracts, and, you know, I've painted it green and I've said, this is not a crayon on it and stuff like that, just to add some humor. Um, you know, you just have to have fun. I think uh, two things um, about what what your uh, personal character props. I think, um, like we said, if you can tie it to your character's story or personality in some way, absolutely. I found myself thinking in very practical terms about, you know, when I, when I, Jason, leave the house for a day of work, I have things that I carry, always carry with me. I've got my car keys, my wallet, and if I'm going to work, I've got a shoulder bag with my phone charger cable and things like that. What are the equivalent things for this character that are going to be practical and useful and necessary for this character to carry around with him, but also... Uh, but also things, you know, maybe some sentimental things. I've got a necklace that my dad gave me when I was a kid that I often wear uh, that when I leave the house, it's just part of my regular routine is, is putting that on. Um, and are there things like that that uh, that say something about my character? But also, you know, like we've said, what what would be the practical things that this character would be needing on a day of adventuring, whether that's, you know, uh, a pouch, uh, pouch with spell tags and, and things like that in it, or, um, uh, you know, somewhere to hook your water bottle that shows that you're going to be out in the, the wilderness for a long time, that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely think that um, being able to sort of disguise your real life needs in an in-game way is like a super clever, um, like, endeavor to do. Because um, like I have a little, it's like a little leather book that I got from like LARP box or whatever. But um, uh, it's one of those things where you can like keep like your like spell cards or whatever in it. Um, for like, if you have to be like, oh yes, like I use this ability by voice, whatever. And instead of using it for that, cause I don't do any of those LARPs anymore. Um, I'm gonna use it to put all my Starfall cards in so that I have a way to like easily access them, but like mm -hmm. looks in game um like there's a bunch of like i was saying before there's a bunch of really cool ways uh that people have been finding to like disguise their cell phones both for sci-fi and for medieval arps so that they can have them on them because obviously not everyone can 100 percent step away from like their real lives when they're at a larp mm -hmm. people have kids some people have very important jobs like you can't always do that so being able to be like all right cool i have this little case that either bought or i made that I can then use to hide it and then take a second, go away and check my phone. Um, like there's so many cool water bottle cases, like you were saying. Um, and like, even just having like a, like a 
no zipper backpack to keep them in if you're like at a fantasy or a fantasy LARP, just like a weird rucksack or whatever. Um, no one's gonna go through your rucksack. Like if someone's gonna rob you, they're gonna be like, hey, I rob you. And then you just give them whatever's in game that you need to give them. Um, you know, but, you're tempting Rob with that statement, right? I, listen, I don't need to tempt Rob to do anything. Rob is an agent of chaos and I know this. <laughs> You'll pay for that next year. Will I? Yes. Okay. <laughs> if I remember, but you know, I'm old. so That's I what not. I'm banking on. <laughs> um yeah no i was uh you had told me about the prank war thing they're like yeah i want to start a prank war and i was like i was like i heard someone might be starting a prank war i don't know what's happening and i was making everyone real nervous (laughs) (laughs) so um we're we're drawing to our close here so i'm going to ask my my standard last question which is assuming it runs what's next for each of you with larp I have uh, another Avarice event in August. It is a Beacoline-esque LARP that has recently started in Charlton, Mass at Yale Commons. Um, it, it's great fun and I'm very excited. Um, it has skirmishes during the day and then like a more parlor tavern night at night. Um, and then of course, I have the good old Shire Town Shindig in September um which i am so very excited for and need to figure out a way to make approximately like 50 pies for that <laughs> <laughs> well i uh, i am very excited about what quest is going to be doing next with uh starfall they have said that they're going to be doing some smaller events called starfall missions various places around the country for smaller groups to attend. And I'm definitely, definitely gonna be doing one or more of those if I possibly can. Uh, but more, that's that's still to be announced, uh, any details on that. But um, more, more definitely than that, um, there is a, uh, a local chapter uh, here in Atlanta of a, uh, a LARP called Alliance uh, that I am, uh, putting out feelers to connect with, and I think that's likely to be my next uh, event. That's going to be in uh, November, uh, just a little bit south of Atlanta, and that's a high fantasy LARP that I'm really excited to check out. You'll like it. I, I can't know. wait. I, I'm excited. Great, excellent. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. My next LARP is going to be in Tennessee, which is called Garden of Destinies. Um, which is a hybrid LARP where people come from all over, including the future to pixies to everything else. And they get pulled into this garden and basically they have to, you know, work together to make the garden better to, you know, solve different types of problems because it's a one-way trip. You know, you you walk in there, like my character is a, uh, an old beat cop from the twenties. So guess what? I'm a protector character. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but you know there, there's that one that one's coming up that's going to be a three-day um, in August I've got a high fantasy LARP in Florida called Rise of the Founders uh, that one's been going for they just finished their sixth season starting their seventh so there's some well-established characters and everything else so there, there's going to be some fun with that one um, otherwise you know, you get into some of these LARPs and things kick off that you had never, ever thought of. Um, this, this LARP that we just finished, for example. Well, I came home and one of the other fellows that I drove back with, um, he's already started talking with uh, some of his, you know, administrators in his school about potentially offering Ludosport. Oh, no way. Oh, that's cool. But he can't get the time off to get certified as an instructor because he's an educator. So, since they're offering that course in October, I will be up in the wonderful state of New York doing Form 1 instructor training. Oh, you and me both. Oh, good. Uh, Already booked. The only thing I haven't booked so far is the lodging. I've got a car. I've got everything. Has that been formalized that it is October? It is the October starting on the 9th going to the 16th. Okay, I'll have to go. He has he has his minimum six numbers already. Okay, good. Then I'll go sign up and let him know that I'm joining that as well. Yep. 
Um, I think actually that's probably going to be the, the next thing for me then is, is going to be that. Um, after that, I have really nothing sort of planned out aside from the one that we're running in April, which may be shifting dates a little bit so that we don't conflict with Easter. Um, and I'll get into more Matter details. of honor? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before that, uh, my wife and I are actually going to go do Galactic Star Cruiser. So we'll get to see how Disney runs a LARP. Nice. So, um, I think this has been an excellent discussion, and I would love to continue this for hours, but unfortunately our time is coming to a close. So I would like to thank Steph, Jason, and Rob for joining us today. So thank Thanks you. for, Thanks for having, having us. Thanks so much, Martin. My pleasure. Thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. Our next episode will release somewhere around the 17th of September, uh, and it'll be the fifth episode of our third season, and we're going to take a look at longitudinal or sequential LARP. Uh, that episode is going to cover LARP that are longitudinal or, or sequential, and that is that they build upon a previous year's LARP, um, so like part two. Uh, look at both benefits and drawbacks of some of those LARP. Um, I would again like to thank our guests for joining me live on the show. I am your host, Martin. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Mal Books. Additionally, we'd like to thank Lex Media for the use of their Fred Roth Mal Memorial Podcast Studio. And I would again like to thank Feedspot for our inclusion on the Top 5 LARP podcast. Please check out all of their links on our website, adventuretoinkeeper.com. <laughs>